24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, is Jim Williams. What's going on, Jim? I, I love how you paused bef- between the Jim and the Williams. Yeah, I, I listen, was... it, it, it needs its own space, man. It has to. Uh, yes, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, great to be on board, as always, and great to be... Great to be on board, and I, apparently I didn't mute the uh, browser behind me because I'm trying. See, I'm trying to be on here as well, so I can be on the chat room, so I can interact with our people. Our yeah, listeners. we've uh, we've done that many times in the past, Jim. It's, yeah, uh, so I, I apologize for the horrible display, but it's great to be on board, especially when we have a stacked show to get to. Lots of NFL, lots of MLB. Bob Costas makes a cameo in our in our conversation pieces here. And uh, so much more. In fact, we might even get to a tiny classified ad published from some Edmontonian's one-bedroom apartment, which is just freaking hilarious. Uh, But if you have thoughts on anything in regards to the greatest night in the history of Boston in the last five minutes, which was Sunday night, we invite you to call in 347-237-5373-347-237-5373. John Leary Jr. I'm not trying to say you should call in, but you probably should because you gotta you gotta just you know mark out over it. You can use the Skype uh, button, click to Skype. You can also join us in the chat. Uh, we've got me, we've got John, we've got oh Leary's there in the chat. Sports blogger, yeah, he's joining us as well. Uh, but let's get. I guess uh, I guess we should begin with this uh, this tackle football thing the kids talk about. Yeah, just a little of this. Uh football thing we keep hearing about lately. I've uh, heard of it. It's it's quite catchy. Seriously. This is the end of week six. How insane is that? Uh, Marginally insane. I uh, feel like it just started and yet we're yeah. leaving week six. So anyway, let's start with uh, some of these games here from the, uh, from, from the weekend. Uh, we still have a Monday Night Football game, of course, tonight. But the first game on the bill here, the one in four, now one in four Steelers, Beating the Jets convincingly, 19-6, to pushing the Jets to 3-3 three and three on the season. It wasn't the Geno Smith we saw in Monday Night Football against the Atlanta Falcons. But at the same time, too, the Steelers didn't look that great. So this, to me, was just two mediocre-to-bad teams going at it, Jim. What did you think of this game? Uh, yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Neither team was setting the world on fire in this game. I mean, Roethlisberger actually... Had himself a decent game. He didn't throw for more than one touchdown, but he his uh, his ratio was good, 23-30 for 264 and a touchdown. No. I mean, even Antonio Brown came in to make it honest. To, to, he threw, he completed a pass, which is more than uh, some quarterbacks in this league can say. Uh, but, again, both teams very similar in that uh, they can't run the football. And I'm not going to get on that diatribe yet. There are another. There are other games I can say that for. But it was an ugly game. It, it was. It was just plain an ugly game. And it's not as if. Well, I mean, Geno Smith threw two interceptions. That was his Achilles' heel. But you look at his, his ratio of, of completions to attempts. Wasn't horrible. He threw two for two oh one. It's just you know he just had a bad game. Scatterbrained. 
Yes, that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, uh, you see, scatterbrain from what I can take from Geno Smith so far this season. Uh, breaking just a couple of minutes ago, that uh, you know, I was raving about the Jets getting Mike Goodson back after uh, his four-week suspension, torn ACL and MCL out for the season. So, bye, yeah. Felicia. It's uh, yeah, you know, that hurts. That you know, that definitely hurts the Jets. But at the same time, it's the end of Week Six, and they're three and three. Something you got to be proud of. I mean, honestly, this isn't a team that we thought we, we thought would be three and three uh, leaving week six. So, they are the best team, the best professional football team in the New York metro area. Wrap your minds around that. Yeah, they are. They are. But we'll see what happens. I mean, the Steelers had to win a game eventually, and uh, why not against the Jets, who seem to just can't beat the Steelers no matter how bad they are. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's go to this. We had an overtime game, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. With a 27 to 24 win over the Buffalo Bills, Bengals now four and two in the season, pushing the Buffalo Bills to two and four. What did you think of this one? I think we've found out who is going to be the team to beat in the AFC North, and it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. They just have, you know, too many weapons. The hookup between Andy Dalton and AJ Green is just too lethal. It's right. just too much, too explosive, as it were. And, uh, you know, Thad Lewis, is it Thad or Tad? I don't even know. Thad. Well, excuse me, Thaddeus Lewis. He wasn't bad. He played a clean game, 19-32, 2-16, and two touchdowns for the Bills. He hooked up with Graham. Uh, Goodwin and Chandler each got uh, touchdown passes. He wasn't horrible. He didn't do anything to cost himself the game. I'll put it to you that Rush way. for a touchdown as well. Yeah, well, exactly. Okay, yeah. so he did. He kept the Bills alive and kept him in the game. It's just the law firm got running. He had a good game, 18 carries, 86 yards. Dalton threw well, three touchdowns, one interception, throwing for over 330 yards. And he hit Green, he hit Bernard, uh, he hit Jones, each for touchdown passes. You know, yeah, it's just it's just a better team. There are there are more well-oiled machine. There's more chemistry in place in Cincinnati right now, in my estimation. And right now, the AFC North goes through them. I mean, as we're going to go through the other teams that had some misfortunes and missteps in the AFC North uh, on Sunday, yeah. there is no reason to think the Bengals are not the favorite at this point in time to win the division. Yeah, they're not. But like you said before, too, uh, you know, you know, going with Buffalo still here, they uh, they played a very very good game, and as you said, they just you know, unfortunately had to play against a better team. Came down in overtime, Mike Nugent uh, with a 43 yard field goal to win the game. Also, got to give props to linebacker Kiko Alonso. Twenty-two tackles in this for the Bills. Yeah, that that's insane. That's insane. just that's beast mode, as the kids say. Insane. You know the kids with their sayings. I agree. Like the Hoppa. Like the Hoppa. I think John might be calling in now. So. John likes the Hoppa. All right, let's get to this game. The uh, Detroit Lions now four and two in the season, knocking off the Cleveland Browns thirty-one to seventeen. Cleveland now three and three on the season. The big story here: Matt, Matt Stafford four touchdowns. Matty Stafford was the real, in the words of Iron Sheik. Four touchdowns, twenty-five of forty-three, two forty-eight, and he hooked up with Reggae Bush. And the real big story is the man he got three touchdowns out of. Anybody have Joseph Faria on your fantasy football team? Who is that? <laughs> the rookie, the 23-year-old pride and joy of the University of California, Los Angeles, out of Northridge, California. Uh, three touchdown passes. Isn't that adorable? He's found a new weapon. That's so cute. Um, but but seriously, I mean... No Megatron, no problem? 
No, well, I'm not going to go that. <laughs> At least in this matchup, anyway. And, and, yeah, and it was and, uh, you know, Megatron was a game time decision, more or less, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, but uh, you know, again, you look at everything a little bit more balanced attack. Uh, they could have run the ball a little more with Reggie Bush, but that's just me, and I have no stake in that, by the way. But Matt Stafford is proving why you know, uh, yeah, the the Lions are are the real, in the words of Sheiky Baby. Now let's go to the other side. The Browns, 3-3. Three and three. First of all, if you're a Cleveland fan, you've got to be happy that your team's 500 right now. You can't be moaning and complaining and this, that, and the other. All about yeah. Hoyer, though, man. That's the thing, man. Hoyer got them to that 3-3. Three and three, so. Well, yeah, and Whedon helped them in the last game, but Whedon is not the answer. And the one thing I keep saying to myself, and I posted it on Facebook right after the early games, Right now, if you're Cleveland, you've got to be kicking yourself because you could have had Josh Freeman. You know you could have had Josh Freeman in this situation. Now, obviously, you don't expect Hoyer to go down. But there was still that, that, that you know, monogram of time where you could have had, after Hoyer went down, you could have tried to go for Josh Freeman. And you didn't. And you didn't get him. And now you're stuck with Whedon. And he's not going to take you to the promised land. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um... They did run the ball a lot, though. Well, not a lot, but at least they gave. Well, everybody in their many different ran players. the ball. That's the problem. <laughs> many different plays because they just didn't know who to go with. But you know what? You know, what I really feel bad for the most is Josh Gordon, man. What a player, man! Oh, he Let is a talk. beast. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Well, him and grabs one twenty six. He is he is the number one wide. Well, between him and Cameron, they've got two legitimate stud wide receivers. Absolutely. Talking about the Cleveland Browns, let's give a shout out to the rock band Adrenaline, who does our intro music. We're down with Adrenaline. Down with Adrenaline, our intro song called The Beautiful. Check out Adrenaline at adrenalinemusic.com. Good stuff. We're going to jump over a few games, and we're going to talk about the Patriots game. Why? Because our good friend, Oh, here we go. John Leary from New England Sports 247 and 24-7 Sports Hub. I call the man out, and he shows up. Thank you. John, what's going on, bro? What's up, guys? How you doing? John, you have got to be happier than a pig in doo-doo right now. I'm pretty excited. It's, uh, it was a good day for Boston sports yesterday. That's, there's no doubt about that. It, it was a banner day, absolutely, between what happened in this Patriots game. And, and well, let me go back. Let me go back to the fourth quarter here because I was watching most of the fourth quarter of this game. And you see, you see Brady throw that interception with about two and a half minutes left. Did you think at that point in time, game over? I did actually. Um, just like a lot of the people that left, uh, I mean, I didn't leave there. I didn't shut off the game, but you know, you, with the Saints being the way they are, you figured that the game was over. Uh, that was, that was a dagger, you know, Mr. Comeback, golden boy, Tom Brady was over, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, the, the Saints and really you have to put the onus on the Saints here because they, all they needed was one first down. They needed to just move the chains and that would seal the game. They could not do it. And then you give a chip and a chair back to Tom Brady with about a minute and 10 seconds left. And that is, as you well know, the worst possible thing you could ever do. A couple of passes later, he hits Tompkins, and euphoria reaches a new high. See, that, here's the thing, though, and I tried to explain this on Facebook the other night. Um, granted, Trent, uh, Kendall Tompkins, you know, caught the winning touchdown, but if Austin Colley did not catch... The, uh, I, think, I think it was like fourth down to make it a first down, there's no way that uh, the Patriots would have won that game. So I actually give the star of the day to Austin Collie on that. 
Well, see, now, and that's what I was just going to bring up. Everybody's talking about, oh, what a god Tom Brady was at the end of the quarter. Uh, you know what? There's two guys you really got to look at. Austin Collie for making that, uh, that catch. But also, you finally got something from Stephon Ridley this season. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, two touchdowns, uh, what, 94 yards or something like that yesterday? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah it was around 90, 95, 96 yards, something like that. I was going to say, they, the running game was really, really good yesterday for the Patriots. And I was quite surprised after, uh, you know, watching the Saints. They're pretty good uh, run defense, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, th- their defense under Rob Ryan has been stout, lights out all season. Yeah. And uh, to see what happened, you know, especially in, <laughs> in the fourth quarter, they lost their constitution, their iron-willed constitution, and it all went uh, by the wayside. Yeah. They're still 5-1, and one, though. There's nothing to be... Uh, oh, yeah. No, eventually, they're going to lose a game. Why not lose to the Patriots? So. If you're, yeah, and, and remember, remember on Friday's show, I had... Well, compared to you, John, I yeah. was more subjective about. I, I was more on the fence about this game. But you're, you, you're all Gronk. Yeah. I, I, I said if Gronk was starting, the Patriots would have won. Now, obviously, if Gronk had started, they would have beat the crap out of the Saints by comparison. I think. Eh, I don't know about that. Well, you know, well, come on. I mean, not yet. Not, you know, was, not yet. He's been sitting on the sidelines for too long. So. I really, honestly, I, me personally, I picked the Saints to win this game. I didn't think the Patriots were going to pull it out. Um, a lot of people. And a lot of people didn't think that the Patriots were going to win the game. So I think that's actually a good stepping stone for the Patriots. I mean, I know, like I said, I'm a little biased because they're my favorite team. But, you know, they, they've really proven that they can, they can hold up against the, uh, some elite teams this year. Yeah. Uh, cannot, so far. Cannot... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, well, thank you. You're a great American. <laughs> Uh, you cannot deny, though, that the fact that you've got so many young, by comparison to Patriots teams of the past, inexperienced wide receivers on the starting roster, who Brady is throwing to, you cannot deny at 5-1, and one, this team, well, at least certain players on this team, are certainly overachieving. Oh, I I mean, I will not disagree with you whatsoever. The, the, mm-hmm. the Patriots offense, they have talent. It's just... You know, they're just not on the same page. No. Yeah. No, they're definitely not. They still find they still find a, they're still finding ways to win. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, not even that. Now, too. Once again, once again, you're losing Danny Amendola. Who knows if uh, he's going to be out for any games now after that monster hit that he took from Jabari Greer? But then also helmet to helmet, you're going to be uh, yeah, you know he, it, it also could come down good. to you know, and it also could come down to that Akeem Talib. You might you might lose him for a game or two now. So. Yeah, yeah. The, the Patriots suffered a lot of injuries yesterday. I believe Gerard Mayo went out with a shoulder. Uh, God, Akeem Tlaib, just like you said. Julian Edelman hurt his ankle. Uh, I mean, they were just stacking up on the injuries yesterday. But the, the scary yeah. one was the uh, Manny Anadola hit. I mean, he the guy he couldn't even walk straight. He, he didn't know where he was. Nah, he's concussed. Yeah, he's definitely uh, he's definitely concussed. That, that that's a scary thing. Um, real quick, because I gotta I gotta get off the phone. But uh, the Red Sox, I mean, I know you guys aren't there yet, but wow, what a win! <laughs> you know, it's amazing because you go from being no hit for the second time in as many nights through five and a half or five and two thirds innings to you know laser show from Big Poppy, Grand Slam. 
Tory Hunter flipping over a wall, and then Salsa Lamakia knocking in the game-winning run. That's why baseball's arguably the best sport, best postseason sport, because it just changes in an instant. It was insane. Absolutely, I agree. I, I mean, baseball is definitely one of those games that you could watch and anybody could win at any time. So it was really good to see that. Uh, really good to see the Red Sox pull that one out. They needed that win. No question about it. We'll be talking to the Boston Red Sox in a little bit. John, thanks for calling in, buddy. Yes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the hopper. <laughs> He's going to kill you, man. Yes, he is. I really don't care. He is going to kill you. All right, man. Let's, uh, let's get back. I'm a main man, so it's all good. Let's get back to talking NFL. Let's get to this game. Uh... Guess what? Andy Reid and the Chiefs now 6-0 after a 24-7 win over the now 2-4 Oakland Raiders. And here is the story, Jamal Charles. Yeah, pretty much. Jamal Charles says hello. Two touchdowns, uh, averaging, uh, I'm not good with math, almost four yards a carry. We'll, we'll <laughs> give him that. Uh, Terrell Pryor is still going through his growing pants. He threw three picks uh, and... Still is once again that that key problem that I always have when your quarterback's your leading rusher, not a good thing. Darren McFadden is just uh, he's done. He's not well. No, he, he's not close to a hundred percent. You know, he ran for fifty-two yards on sixteen carries. He's he's just not there. Um, and works. That's a trend, really. When you look at running backs who are. Uh, well, quite frankly, it's a trend across the league where you're not going to see as many 100, 120, 140-yard rushers in the league mm-hmm. because you've got everybody passing and then the quarterbacks, you know, putting life uh, in their own hands, running with, at will like the wind. Uh, but, you know, Alex Smith didn't have the greatest game, but he didn't need to because Jamal Charles bailed him out with two touchdowns. And, you know, the defense, the defense in Kansas City, it's time to take them seriously, especially when they take Pryor and put him on the turf ten times. Yeah. yeah. That is just un-be-freaking-leavable. They are just playing some lights-out football right now. And some of them, you know, they're not winning convincingly. But you know what? A win is a win when it comes down to certain areas of the game. And, you know, um, they're getting it done. I just want to say, as long as we have more points than the other team, <clears throat> uh, that's a win, my book. Um, uh, granted, there are some things I know I uh, <clears throat> need to do a better job on, but uh, last I checked, we're undefeated, so uh, time's yours. <clears throat> yeah. it, it, listen, man, you look at them now, they're 6-0. and When it comes down to it, there's really only three games where the Kansas City Chiefs could possibly lose, and that's weeks 11 and 13 when they play Denver twice, and then week 16 when they play the Indianapolis Colts. Other than that, Houston next week, Cleveland after that, the Buffalo Bills, you get a bye week in week 10, Denver, San Diego, Denver, Washington, Oakland, Colts, Chargers. They've got a cupcake schedule, and I told you that they from, really from Jump Street. Yeah, they really uh, do. Uh, well, I, mean, you know it, no, I don't want to say it's a cupcake schedule. It really, well, it is. It really depended on what they were going to get from the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, who they beat convincingly as well. So Right, that's true. You know, that's so that would have been at least five, if you count the Dallas Cowboys, six games where they could have possibly lost. But when you play the teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, the Oakland Raiders, you're going to win those games, especially when you're uh, Andy Reid and the Chiefs right now. They're just, they're just rolling on a high right now. And the scary thing is they're not the best team in that division. That's no. the scary thing, folks. No, no, not at all. And we'll uh, get to them uh, real, real soon. But let's get to this game. And here was the shocker, Jim. 
We both picked Minnesota to win this game convincingly. And out of nowhere, here comes Cam Newton, 20 of 26, 242 yards and three touchdowns to lead the now 2-3 Carolina Panthers to a 35-10 to win over the now 1-4 Minnesota Vikings. Let me let me drop a, a name who joins my podcast all the time, uh, Chico Alexander, who also writes at GameShowNewsNet.com. There's your plug, Chico. He's uh, based in North Carolina, big Panthers fan, and he was flabbergasted by the performance put out. You know, and and you know he's one who rails against Cam Newton as much as anybody else. Yeah. It was mind numbing. It's absolutely mind numbing to see Cam Newton actually awake from seemingly a coma and get the job done. And you'll notice with Cam Newton, note who he threw the ball to and who was his best wide receiver. It was not Steve Smith. Oh, it was the big guy. It was the fell. Yep. And and he had himself a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at Minnesota, and the one thing I can't help but think about is Adrian Peterson, of course. Um, yeah. We, we talked about it on the show Friday. Oh, sure. The news broke, and not long after we went off the air, his son had, had officially passed away, and our thoughts and prayers, obviously, with Peterson mm. and his family. I don't know how in God's name... He could have played Sunday. Honest to God. And I know, and I'm going to backtrack a second. I know why he played. I know how he played. But it still is beyond me. You know, like Mike Jarek said on Fox 29, you can't can't be mad at a a person if they choose to grieve in a different way. And also somebody else brought up the point, too, is that, you know what? It was his son, but he he never met his son until that day in the hospital. So I'm sure there was so many emotions mixed into that, but at the same time, not you know having that feeling of you know what you know that was my son, but I didn't know him. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of things that were going on, and you know you know of course in the media right now talking about it. So it could have been that way, but as you saw in this play, especially against the Carolina Panthers, he was emotional. There was no question about it. Absolutely. Ten carries, sixty-two I- yards. And I think it, I think it affected the team to a certain extent too. I think so because Matt Castle wasn't. Terrible besides those two interceptions uh, to Mike Mitchell. But other than that, you don't get nothing from AP in a game like this. You know what? You don't have a chance. So well, Exactly. I mean, if Adrian Peterson is in his right frame of mind and everything is right with the world, he, he goes off against a team like Carolina. But it just didn't click. This was one of those games that you have to take as an outlier game because you you don't ex- you can't expect somebody who's gone through tragedy to play the same way Nothing. as if everything was right with the world. This well, was you know, just sometimes a, you see it after a tragedy where a player just well, the Brett Favre eats out game because they're playing the name and that. But other people, you know, they just you know everybody's got a different emotion. Everybody's oh. different, absolutely. Yeah. You go back to the Brett Favre game. You go back to when his father died. Yes, and uh, the Monday night game where he had arguably his greatest career night. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's you know it's one of those things. It's just one of those things. And, and credit to Carolina though uh, for Cam Newton stepping up and having a phenomenal game. Uh, didn't expect it. Didn't see it coming. I don't know that he can sustain it though because it may be too little, too late at this point with Ron Rivera in the situation there, and the way the picture in the NFC South is looking. So absolutely. Uh, you know, talking about Minnesota, they're gonna. I, I mean, in my opinion, they have no choice but to start Josh Freeman next week. I think Matt Castle has been good so far for Minnesota, possibly earning himself another start, but I think you need to start Freeman to see what you can get from Freeman, especially at this point in time where at one and four, they need to rattle off some wins in order to do something. 
I mean, their season. Let's face it, the Viking season is over. Yeah. It, it's over right now because the other three teams are locked well, near the top of the absolutely. NFC North. Absolutely, but you know what? Do you want to you know end the season at one and fifteen? No, they're not. Well, first of all, they're not going to. They're going to win a couple of division games because you know you throw the records out when when the division rivalries are at hand. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my opinion is, you know, you you, you start Freeman next week. You see what well, you pick. You picked him up on a one-year, three million dollar deal. You got to see what you can give for him. Yeah, because you know what? Can you resign him at the end of the season? Is he somebody worth resigning for your team? You keep Matt Castle around as a backup. Ponder, you just get rid of. You Christian Ponder, you get rid of. You may sign Sam Ponder by comparison. So, <laughs> so she's she's shucky ducky quack quack. All right, man. Let's get to uh, this game. The Philadelphia Eagles now three and three in the season, thirty-one to twenty win over the now zero and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The story here, and yes, I am glad to have said it. It's time. It's time. It's Nick Foles' time. Two hundred ninety-six yards, three touchdowns on twenty-two of thirty-one for the Philadelphia Eagles. What did you think of this game, Jim? And does Foles get another start next week? Actually, according to Dick Stockton, his name is Nick Coles. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, Shady is known as Deshaun McCoy. <laughs> and the great wide receiver with two touchdowns in the game is LaShawn Jackson. And also, according to Dick Stockton, uh, they were raising money for breast cancer. We search. So, yeah. Dick, call it a career. <laughs> Just saying. But no, Nick Foles deserves to start again. He deserves to start against Dallas this coming uh, this coming week. Great game from him, man. He, he had a phenomenal game. He was clean. Again, that's the thing that I'm going to keep coming back to. The Eagles played a very clean game. Very few, if any, turnovers the last three weeks. You know, it, it's just a beautiful thing to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shady McCoy, again, what it comes down to, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine who is an ardent, anti-Nick Foles guy. He's not a pro-Vic. He's an anti-Nick Foles guy. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have Foles or Vic as quarterback. Honestly, it doesn't. It really, no. really doesn't because the differences between them are marginal in my opinion. The key is with this Eagles team, you must get McCoy 25 carries a game. He is the offense. No when doubt Josh about it. sets everything up, yes, he may not find the end zone, but he'll run for 100 yards. If you give him 25 carries a game, I guarantee you you're going to win a football game. I guarantee you're going to win the game. Riley Cooper uh, had a big game, four grabs, 120, including a touchdown. My main man, Deshaun Jackson, helping the fantasy team out with six grabs and 64 yards. And you look at the Tampa Bay side, and they kept it interesting, and they kept it honest. Excuse me. Mike Glennon was good. Mike Glennon wasn't horrible, 26 of 43 for 273 and two touchdowns. But the Eagles held Doug Martin in check, which was key, 16 carries and 67 yards. But again... Our secondary, I know people who are blind and dead who could do better than our secondary. Uh, Vincent Jackson, two big touchdown grabs, uh, the one in the in the corner of the end zone, that was just insane. Yes, uh, that was a that was a case for the one on Fox Sports Live, if you will. Yeah, no question. But uh, the Eagles are three and three and have a share in first place. Oh, big game this coming week for outright first place. Somebody's going to have a winning record in this division, finally. Now watch, it'll be a tie game. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be that would be poetic justice if there was a tie between the two teams next oh, week. Man. 
Truly uh, poetic justice. It'll be interesting, that is for sure. Uh, now, again, let me just backtrack and say one other thing. I'm not crowning the Eagles as the best team in the division. I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination, nor am I saying the Cowboys are a great team either. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's a down year for the East, and eight wins is going to win this division. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there on that one. Mm-hmm. Especially if they keep, you know, especially if Nick Foles continues to keep playing the way he's playing right now. Five forty-two in the season, six touchdowns, no interceptions, forty-one of sixty-one, playing some damn good football. So if he can continue to uh, prosper like that, you might have yourself a starting quarterback in the future. Yeah, well, I, I again, we also have to consider the source. They face an zero five team, so everything is relative. Yeah, They're but have you, know what? They, uh, have... you know what? He was still throwing against guys like Darrell Revis, man. So it's uh... well, Revis Island was on his own island anyway half the time in the game. He's, uh, I'm going to say it right now, one of the biggest big name busts in recent memory. Say it. Everybody attacked the Jets for getting rid of him. Guess what? It's working out for the Jets because it's... guess what? Darrell yeah. Revis and the Bucks zero and five. Jets three and three. So very true. Very true. There you go. Um, let's go to this game, man. This was uh, supposed to be a game that we thought would have been a blowout, but it wasn't. It came down to the water as the now three and two Green Bay Packers held off the Baltimore Ravens. Now three and three, nineteen to seventeen. And a big story here was Eddie Lacy, man. They're finally getting something out of Eddie Lacy in this game. Well, that's one of the big stories. The other big story is the fact that Aaron Rodgers is doing more with less than anybody in this league right now. Mm. He had to play the entire second half with two, just two, wide receivers. Yep. And he made it work. Jordy Nelson had himself a game. Uh, four grabs, 113 Jordy yards, Nelson and a touchdown. Just, listen, if you're going to have just two wide receivers, Jordy Nelson's got to be one. Man, I'm telling you, man, he makes stuff out of nothing half the time. Yes, he turns garbage into gold, as I say. Uh, Rodgers didn't have the greatest game, 17-32, 315, a touchdown, and a pick. But you're absolutely right. Eddie Lacy, another 100-yard rushing game. It looks like, and this is another observation I made from the early games, it looks like the two teams that, you know, we've had questions when it comes to their running game. Yes. The Packers and the Lions, they're starting to find it. They're starting to get it all together. The pieces are coming together. It's only a matter of time before Eddie Lacy has a 130-yard and and three-touchdown performance on the ground. It's only a matter of time at this point. It is. It's it a good is. thing. Yeah. And and Baltimore on the other end, Joe Flacco did his part, but again, where's the running game? But that, but not even that. Joe Flacco's the only quarterback in the league right now who can throw for uh, you know almost three fifty, uh, you know, in yardage, and score still a lose. touchdowns, not throwing interception, and yet they still lose. So well, I, it's 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 just it's it's Joe Flacco his Joe Flacco ness, if you will. Yeah. But again, Ray Rice, Ray Rice too hasn't been looking good at all. Well, so. I mean, you have Ray Rice. And you only give him the ball 14 times, really? Yeah. Really? Even so, only only averaging 2.4 yards, uh, you know, per clip. I don't care. Today, I don't so. care. You give him 10 more carries to keep everything honest. Yeah. You give him 10 more carries. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but but you know, so go the Ravens. They're three and three, a game off the pace in the AFC Norris. So. Yeah, so that was the game we. Yes, I said Norris on purpose. We thought the Packers were going to win convincingly, but you know what? Two points later, so. Hey, you know, well, you lose a couple wide receivers, and you see how you do, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Still Aaron Rodgers, and let me tell you, give me Jordy Nelson any day on my team. Let's get to this game for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it was just a a blowout 
and then the aftermath, which we'll get in as we talk about this game. And that's the St. Louis Rams now 3-3 three and three in the seasons, blowing out the Houston Texans 38-13. to 13. Texans now 2-4. and four. Matt Schaub going down. The Texas fans applauding it. Karma comes in and bites them in the ass in the form of T.J. Yates, who comes right in and throws two picks. What did you think of this disgusting game, Jim? You know how everybody goes and rides Philadelphia Eagles fans for booing Michael Irvin when he got injured in the late 90s on our turf? Yeah. This one-ups that because you're booing your own. This absolutely trumps that. Matt Schaub actually had a very decent game going for himself. 15-20, 1-for-1 in D6 before the ankle injury. And the indecency of the quote-unquote fans in Houston who, you know, Houston fans are some of the best fans in football, I've always thought, uh, going back to the days with the Oilers. But you've got fickle fans right now in place, and bandwagon jumping fans after, oh, we won a division title last year, oh, we're so great. And I think you had a case of the bandwagon fans voicing over top of the true football fans of that town. Yeah, uh, It's a disgrace, and, and you know, there, there are no words. There are absolutely no words. Um you look at the stat line, by the way, for St. Louis, and you're not going to say, well, Sam Bradford had himself a game because he didn't. It came no. down to the defense. 16 the de- throws. Jeez. Yeah, the defense just absolutely showed up. You know, it, it was just, just absolute beast mode. I mean, Bradford had a short field to work with. He had three touchdowns in the game. He didn't have to do a heck of a lot. No. And like you mentioned, T.J. Yates is not the answer. But then, but then we get this immediately after the game, and, and they put this on Fox. Vince Young, remember him, boys and girls? Once upon a time, he was a quarterback in the NFL. You remember that, boys and girls? And I'm not talking about with the Eagles. I choose not to remember those days in my mind, folks. He says, you know, I've always liked the people in Houston. You know, I I remember my days as a Longhorn. You know, if you need any help, you want to... You want, you know, you're looking for a quarterback. You know, I'm here, free agent. How you doing, you know? So the question I beg is, if you're Houston, do you take a flyer on Vince Young? Absolutely not. Thank you very much. Absolutely not, especially after that. I mean, you know, right there, there's just no respect for your fellow players right there. Uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, find out what's going down with Matt Schaub first. See if they're even interested in you. You don't go out tweeting right after, you know, their quarterback gets injured. And especially with the fans down there, too, man. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting display. Booing a guy who's done so much for your franchise. He helped you get where you are, for God's sakes. Exactly. Let's get to this, though, real quick, because he went down with an ankle injury after being sacked by defensive end uh, Chris Long from the St. Louis Rams. Uh, Paul Gallant from Paul Gallant Radio tweets that Jonathan Joseph said of the fans on cheering Matchov's injury, if they're going to do that, don't show the bleep up. Agree 100% with Jonathan Joseph. Then Chris Long comes out, the man who sacked Matt Chubb, which gave him the ankle. Of course, it wasn't anything, uh, you know, on purpose. I mean, he was playing football and got hurt. Chris Long writes in two tweets, and I quote, If you were at Reliant Stadium and cheered Matt's injury, you are a poor representation of your fan base and a bad example to young fans. If I had known Matt was hurt, I wouldn't have even celebrated the play. I wish him nothing but a speedy recovery. Amen. And That's quote. class. That's that class right class. there. I mean, seriously, how do you... I'm sorry, just because you're having a poor season, you don't boo a guy who's done so good for your franchise. He has been the best quarterback in Houston Texans franchise. 
Great. In my, in, you know, in, you know, with the Texans' name, you know, that's yeah, granted a, a a small sample size because they're yeah. a relatively new franchise. But you're absolutely yeah. right. There's no question about it. You're not going to have a quarterback like Matt Schaub again. There's there's no question. Matt Schaub has been a very good quarterback in this league. If you don't believe me, go ask Andre Johnson. See what he has to say to you about Matt Schaub. I think he'll say a word or two to to help his cause. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a damn shame that. You know, the minority, well, I can't say minority, but I, I will say minority, being vocal fans, it didn't sound like a minority during the game, I'll say that. It sounded like a full stadium of people going, hee, yeah. and then TJ Yates just pretty much says, oh, you want this? Okay, Pixie. Excellent. Not even that, ev- almost every player on the Houston Texans, and even some of the Rams players came out to say something. Left tackle, Dwayne Brown called it. Uh, you know, called the cheering of Schaub's injury disgusting. Andre Johnson said that the fans have a lack of class. Running back Aaron Foster called it tactless and tasteless. Kareem Jackson used the term ridiculous. Linebacker Brian Cushing said it was barbaric to cheer a player being injured. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the Texans don't even want their fans at the stadium right now because of this. All the above is true. They'd rather play in front of an empty stadium at this point. I think they would rather play it in front of an empty stadium. Yeah, I mean, seriously, man, this is a good, good team just having a poor season. Yeah. Let's get to some of these games really quick as well. Uh, 6-0 and now, Denver Broncos knocking off the now 0-6 uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, 34-19. Manning had a good game, but nothing crazy good. 35-19. to Every point counts in Vegas, my friend. Yeah. But if you were one of those degenerate gamblers... And you bet on Denver, well, first of all, how are you alive at this point? Because you probably damn near slit your wrists. Uh, but not that we condone that, uh, BTR cares. <laughs> but but still, you got to give credit to Jacksonville for making a game of it, because they actually were going tooth and nail for the better part of the second and third quarter, hanging in there within one possession of the Denver Broncos. Maurice Jones-Drew woke up from his stupor and uh, ran for 71 yards and a touchdown, Chad Henney, yes, he threw two picks, especially in the later stages of the game, but he kept it honest, 303 yards passing, and Justin Blackman. Monster. Ooh. He's just, he's just, uh, so, Somebody get him on a team that matters. But that's what I'm saying. If you put Justin Blackman on the Green Bay Packers, on the Denver Broncos, there's no telling what could happen. Well, obviously he won't have this kind of production. That's a given, but you're going to get him in the end zone a couple of times every game. But that's the thing. This guy is not finding the end zone with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so it goes to tell you what would happen if they actually had a quarterback. True. And, again, Payton showed he was human. He threw a pick six. So. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that uh, that whole 22 uh, touchdowns to two interception ratio, that is just he's, he's just He's just very, 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 very good now. Not great, just very, 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 very good. So Got to get props to Sean Marino yesterday. Three touchdowns, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Marino, uh, the short yardage back du jour. Uh, didn't run getting... for any uh, yardage, but... But, again, goal line set, he's your go-to guy. He's yeah. your main man, if you will. They get a guy in there that could actually run for yardage, man, when they were... Uh... What it would be like. Yeah, so I mean, the true test of a of a great team is being able to to weather the storm, and they weathered the storm against an 0-6 team, and that's that's exactly what they did because the Jaguars played with uh, like they had no tomorrow. They had nothing to lose. They're O for the season, and you give them credit for making a game of it. That being said, they still suck. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. 
Seattle Seahawks, 5-1 and one now on the season with a 20-13 to 13 win over the now 3-3 three and three Tennessee Titans. Was it a convincing win, but a win is a win? A win is a win is a win, and Marshawn Lynch uh, got two touchdowns. Russell Wilson actually throwing the ball pretty competently, 23-31 of 31 for 257. Um, I, I think, he, uh, once again, you know, who's going to beat Seattle at home? Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Fitzpatrick, sure as heck, Evan, because... While he had a clean game per se, I mean, 17 of, uh, well, no, not really a clean game. I take that back. He had two interceptions. But, again, no running game in Tennessee, so you can't even try to keep everything honest. No. Uh, Fitzpatrick is, you know, a B-C-level quarterback at best. And he was their leading rusher. <laughs> uh, again, he tied for, and he didn't in six fewer carries than Chris oh, freaking Johnson. Chris Johnson. How you doing? Awful. So, uh, Tennessee's just bad off, and, you know. Yeah. Russell Wilson over 300 all-purpose yards. Randy, you know, another another day at the office for Russell Wilson. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's continue here. Uh, 49ers with a 32 to 20 win over the Arizona Cardinals. 49ers now four and two, uh, four and two on the season, and we got something from Colin Kaepernick this game. Yeah, again, I still ask, will the real Colin Kaepernick please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Uh, he stayed more in the pocket. He only ran four times out of the pocket. And 16 of 29, 252, and two touchdowns in the winning effort. He threw a pick as well. Carson Palmer wasn't horrible, but again, the two picks cost him. Um, they're trying to get a balanced running attack in Arizona between Ellington and Mendenhall. They combined for almost 100 yards on 17 carries. So that's a positive. That's a step in the right direction, I think, for Arizona. But Frank Gore, 101 yards helping chew up the ground and making an easier field. Vernon Davis. Monster. Wait a minute. Okay, okay. First of all, never do the Boston accent again. Monster. You know why? Because he, like, he he watches the hopper. He, 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 has, he has dish. I think he can afford something better than dish. <laughs> Just saying. But Vernon Davis, eight grabs, 180 yards, and two end zone visits. Uh, Vernon Davis, uh, beast mode uh, in the game. And... Uh, what can you say, San Francisco, all in all, 4-2 and two team now in the NFC West, a game back of first place. They're looking better. They're looking better, but yeah. again, you got to and Arizona is not a team that is a, you know, they can be a sleeper team in this. I still think Arizona can can make the NFC West a little bit more interesting. Yeah, they're I not really playing terrible that. football. They're not. Arians has coached them up yeah. to be 3-3 three and three at this point with, what you've got there, the sloppy seconds that are in place outside of Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. is an accomplishment. Yeah. they got a couple of good weapons, though. All right. Uh, Dallas Cowboys now 3-3 three and three in the season, 31-16 to 16 over the now 1-4 and four Washington Redskins. Just not looking good at all for RG3. Or, or as Bob Costas will say, the Washington. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later on as well. Robert Griffin the third, Eh. Completing half his passes, 246 yards, uh, and uh, and a pick. Alfred Morris had a decent game. DeMarco Murray going down early in the game, which you know I'm not upset about in one of my fantasy matchups. I got to be honest. But uh, you know Dallas again, you know their defense stepped up, and they just played a relatively clean football game. And the woes of this franchise in Washington are tremendous. I think we're looking at, at things right now, five games into the season. And you can't help but say, they should have never 
started RG three this season. No, I agree. They should have let him uh, sit out for a little bit. You know, now it's you know at the same time. Do you you know why don't you start the backup next week? See you know see what happens. Hello, Kirk Cousins. He was pretty capable. He was very capable. And you know it's not like Washington doesn't have weapons. For they do. They do. They but. have Garcon. They have Reed who stepped up. Santana Moss. They have two or three decent receivers to go to. And Hakerson is not a bad wide receiver. He's just not. That's true, too. That's you know, very I mean, true. He's not getting enough good passes thrown to him. He was targeted six times, but a lot of those passes were just off. So. Just, just, you know, it's a mess in Washington. And they are, they you know, if not for the Giants, they would be the worst team in, in the division by far. Absolutely, uh, and you can make a case there. They they still are the worst team in the division in some respects. Absolutely, Colts and Chargers tonight. Four and one Colts taking on the two and three uh, San Diego Chargers on ESPN Monday Night Football. It's going to be a good one. It'll be nice to watch, but I don't know that I'll be watching that for obvious reasons. Smart. Fifteen minutes left in the show. Let's touch on the Bob Costas thing real quick since we're stu- uh, sticking with football. Bob Costas, and then we'll get to uh, baseball. Do a little hockey recap. And then talk about a classified ad real quick that we found very funny. Tiny classified ad. Bob Costas calls the Redskins' name an insult and a slur last night on Sunday Night Football. You read about this, Jim? Why don't you give us a quick rundown? Okay, well, a couple of things here. First of all, uh, if you're not a a loyal friend and true, in the words of uh, Bob Barker, to to, uh, Sunday Night Football... You know by now uh, that Mr. Uh, Mr. Costas has a, a bit of a uh, soliloquy at halftime where he gets off on a soapbox and says whatever he feels is necessary. Um, he made a case against the Redskins, but he also made a case for current nicknames involving Indian tribes. Let me quote him here. Uh, there's still a distinction to be made. Objections to names like Braves, Chiefs, Warriors, and the like strike many of us as political correctness run amok. These nicknames honor rather than demean, referring to Braves, Chiefs, Warriors. They are pretty much the same as Vikings, Patriots, or even Cowboys, and names like Blackhawks, Seminoles, and Chippewas, while potentially more problematic, can still be okay provided the symbols are appropriately respectful, which is where the Cleveland Indians, with a combination of their name and Chief Wahoo logo, have sometimes run into trouble. And again, he makes mention of a number of teams that have ended up changing their names. Uh, the don't know what that was. Uh, the uh, Stanford Cardinal, the Dartmouth Big Green, they were both Indian names. Uh, the St. John's Redmond, as you remember, the Red yep. Storm, Miami of Ohio Redskins, now the Red Hawks, and so on and so forth. Now, was he outright saying that the name should be changed? No. But he set the ball rolling for the conversation to be kick-started yet again. My only problem is this. Was this the right time and place? And that's a two-folded answer. Yes and no. No, because you don't need to go off on the soapbox in the middle of the most watched game of the week. But yes, because it is the most watched game of the week, more people will hear you. So it's a dual-edged sword. Um, Is Bob in the wrong? I don't think he is, per se. But it's just, knowing his reputation, it it, it comes off as if it's, you know, 
he's all in a soapbox and he's trying on the he comes off like he's on a crusade. Well, that's nothing new about Costas, but right. And I, I like Bob in certain venues. I like him. I love him when he's calling baseball. I think you know there are a few announcers just, nationally you know, that are better than him. You know, I just don't like it when he gets political. Well, exactly. You know, he's there to call a game, and you know what? It's Bob Costas. He 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 can pen something, and I'm sure a magazine or a newspaper would publish it. And to me, that's the right area for it. Or if it was a debate about this with, you know, some of his respective colleagues on a pregame show or something, you know. Uh, sure. But to me, it's uh, and he had you know, he, he, it's, you know it's it's not that he was wrong because he wasn't. Just I don't think it was the right place for it at the time. But well, and, and he has a show, or at least he had a show on NBC Sports Network, Costas Now, where that would be a perfect forum for him. Yeah. Uh, but you know, what do I know? I'm I'm stuck in Jersey, and he's making millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about this as we've have covered this in the past. Uh, we've reached out to a representative from the Onita Tribe who ran that commercial during the Eagles Redskins uh, Monday Night Football game. Unfortunately. Right. Uh, denied a request for an interview, unfortunately, uh, oh, which yeah. sucks. We wanted them to come on and, uh, you know, have a very respectful interview with us because, uh, you know, we were interested absolutely in, in, in hearing more about things from their side, and you know, we agree with them, uh, you know, you know, to uh, you know, to a big extent, but uh, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. can't get it straight from them. But we'll try again and see what happens. Okay. Baseball okay. time, Jim. Well, the League Championship Series round has commenced. It started uh, not long after we went off the air Friday night with Game 1 of the National League Championship Series. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a pitching series between the Dodgers and the Cardinals. It very much was going 13 innings in Game 1. The Cardinals outlasting the Dodgers 3-2. to two. Both starters look good. And, uh, you know... The crazy thing is, after that game, they had to come back less than 15 hours later and do it all again. Game number two, uh, going to the Cardinals in a one nothing pitching duels for one uh, for another game right there. Amazing. Yeah, it's just back and forth. And now game three tonight at eight o'clock on TBS. Very funny. Uh, Cards and Dodgers at Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, where everybody can enjoy a Farmer John Dodger dog. Adam Wainwright on the hill for St. Louis, Rue for the Dodgers. Um, by the way, news with the Cardinals, Chris Carpenter, who missed the entire season. His career is done after shoulder surgery. A uh, bit of a shame because he was a, a big part of those uh, 2000s uh, Cardinals teams that uh, got to the postseason and won the World Series. Yeah. So that's a bummer. We go to the the me 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 American League Championship Series. Speak English, Williams. Uh, game one. You know, you talk about insane pitchers duels. You know, Detroit almost had a combined no hit no run game against the Boston Red Sox. Yep, right through the ninth inning, but alas, the uh, Tigers. Uh, you know, Daniel Lava got a base hit. Detroit ends up winning game one. One to nothing. And we almost have deja vu, the sensation you have seen something you've already seen before in game two last night. Through five and two-thirds innings, no hit, no run baseball pitched by Max Scherzer, and then it falls off the table from there. And then bases loaded, eighth inning, team down five to one. He big poppy. He no big poppy. No, he big poppy. 
David Ortiz, grand salami over the right center field wall. It made, you know, excellent effort there by uh, by Tory Hunter going literally up over and doing a backflip. The Russian judge gave him a 5-5 on that. And uh, the, the seminal image from that, I think from the Boston Globe this morning, if you check the papers, there's an image of the legs of, of, of Hunter going over the wall you know, split upright, and then there's the police officer doing a touchdown pose. It's insane. 5-5 five, five tie, and then with a runner on third after a wild pitch and a base hit before that, Jared Saltalamakia sends him home happy with a game-winning single, and the Red Sox even the series at one game apiece with a 6-5 come-from-behind victory. Fun fact in that, Saltalamakia is the first catcher to have a game-winning, quote-unquote, walk-off hit in a postseason game since some guy named Carlton Fisk did it in 1975. You may have seen that hit from Fisk a time or two Ooh, or yeah. five. And then, sadly, it's that hit that made Dick Stockton famous. So game three of the series is Tuesday night. It, uh, I take that back, Tuesday afternoon. Ha-ha. Four o'clock game on Fox. It'll be John Lackey on the mound for the Red Sox against Justin Verlander at Comerica Park in Detroit. So uh, some competitive baseball, some interesting baseball to say the least. And uh, my picks of Dodgers in six, not looking great. They'd have to win four in a row, and I don't know that they can do that against this pitching staff. I underestimated St. Louis, I'll be quite frank and honest. But both of these games, both of those games uh, in St. Louis could have went either way. So it's a pretty evenly matched series. But the Boston series, I think every uh, – just last night's game, too, gives them so much momentum. Oh, big time. So much momentum. It's ridiculous. And it's going to be a fun series to watch and, and see out uh, through the duration. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, if Cardinals uh, pull this one out and win, that's uh, – man, man, they got a lot of juice going into the uh, next round. So Absolutely, going into the fall classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and we don't like to talk about juice with baseball, so watch it. So, you know. Got a lot of juice going in. Certain players juicing up. It's not, <sighs> so not far, good. it's uh, not re- good for business. Really good, a really exciting MLB playoff so far. So. Absolutely. It's uh, fantastic. Fantastic right. stuff. Six minutes left in the program. I think we should give everybody a quick NHL recap over the uh, weekend's games to talk about some of these teams that are doing not what they were expected to do at the start of this season, so let's start that off. Please do. The St. Louis Blues. 4-0, knocking off the New York Rangers 5-3 and on Saturday. The Rangers now 1-4 in the season. News coming over that the Rangers have just waived their backup goaltender, Marty Buran. A little mm-hmm. mystifying. We'll find out why. Bruins now 3-1. and let me get uh, the, the rest of these games up, Jim. Jameson, I am... Well, I, okay, Jonathan, but you want to talk about the best story in hockey right now. The, the Colorado up. Avalanche. 5-0. <laughs> oh. Patrick Waugh is Patrick doing... Patrick Waugh. He's, he's so up for great. And they're outscoring their opposition double digits already this season combined. Yes. That's just clinically insane. I mean, you know, there's a moxie there. Well, we were talking about that certain attitude, that certain personality of a uh, of a coach that could come in when we were talking about the Craig Barubis and uh, you know you know some of these other coaches in other leagues. Patrick Waugh is up there with the guys that have the attitudes like like a Wally Backman that we were speaking of. And the scary thing is, there's, 
there's a team in the West outside of Colorado. They have a plus 14 differential, goal differential. Quietly, very quietly, because it's San Jose and it's the regular season, and you know what they say about San Jose in the regular season going into the playoffs. San Jose, a plus 17 goal differential. They're perfect 5-0 and to start the season as well yeah. in the Pacific. Which they started out the lockout season last season, lights out, and ended up being nowhere. So that's, Started from the top, now we hear. That's right. So we got the uh, Sharks at 5-0. and uh, Sabres at 0-5. Flyers, 1-5. No, I want to talk about them. Capitals, no, 1-4 as well. Penguins, 4-1 so far on the season. Don't go there, girlfriend. Los Angeles Kings 4-2 after a 3-0 win over the uh, Florida Panthers yesterday. The Ducks now 4-1 after a 4-2-1 win over the now 1-2-2 Ottawa Senators. And yes, Bobby Ryan, even though he is a center now, three goals on the season. Playing good for Ottawa, but unfortunately nobody else is playing good in Ottawa. Pride and joy of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. The Winnipeg Jets now 3-3 on the season with six points, knocking off the 0-3-3 New Jersey Devils. 3 to nothing. A lot, yeah, of, the, a lot of threes there. So. That that's a that's not good. No. You know, it's the Devils, and they suck. I mean, pretty much. I mean, Mar, um, Martin Brodeur is not what he once was. No, now you know coming. And off. they're platooning the goaltender. Anytime you platoon the way they're planning the platoon, you're screwed. Well, they got a good backup in Corey Schneider, but that's the thing. When you platoon, guys can't get on. You can't get a rhythm. Yeah. No. No. There, you know, really, there's you know neither Brodeur or Corey Schneider has any kind of momentum going into the next game because. Who knows who's starting? So, yeah, uh, I, I'm getting through this segment without a Don Cherry impression. You should be proud of me. I, I am very happy that you're not doing a Don Cherry expression, but because uh, I have the suit on and you just don't know it. You got a suit on? I've got I've got the Don Cherry suit on. I'll link you to it after the show. It's a beautiful suit. Well, we got three games on the bill tonight. The three and one uh, Boston Bruins taking on the three and two Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Red Wings, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, the, it's uh, and it's contagious. Oh yeah, it's the contagious. The Minnesota Wild taking on the 0-5 Buffalo Sabres and the 1-4 Washington Capitals taking on the 1-3-1 Edmonton Oilers, which leads into <laughs> our final story here, and that is a Canadian classified ad site called, and I think I'm getting this right, Kijiji. God bless you. Appreciate it. Yes. Somebody put up a classified ad. Yeah. Edmonton Oilers require a starting goaltender. And there's only four qualifications here. Number one, have you played hockey before? I have. Number two, have you been a goaltender before? I have. Number three, can you do the butterfly? No, We're you... done, sorry. <laughs> and number four, are you willing to travel? These are the only qualifications for you to become the starting goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the ad was recently pulled, but still, uh, pretty oh. funny, the screen grab... Uh, uh, from Puck Drunk Love on the Blog Win Blog roster. Uh, just hilarious. And you see these kind of things every now and again. It, it's just a testament to uh, the fandom. And, you know, in, in Oiler land, you've been starving for a competitive team for, what, decades since Gretzky left, really? <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. That team has been run right into the freaking ground. There is no there, question. There, the arena's falling apart all around them. There's no chance that they're getting a new arena anytime soon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I even so, that's that that that's one thing you just don't ever see not in the NHL. So, yeah, can't happen. It, it's a sad, it's a sad case for the Oilers. It's it's sad. And I let it be said, I want to see the Canadian teams compete because I know they have so much going against them with the uh, you know 
what the exchange rate with money is and how they can't get the top name players and what have you. So, yeah. well, still early on in the season, so a lot of teams could turn around, especially our Rangers and Flyers, and they will. And you're not going to say anything. All right, Jim. Well, that's it for today's show. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in, and we're happy to be back here at the twelve o'clock hour, and we will be back. Wednesday at the 12 p.m. hour. So for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Ragus. Have a good Monday. And make sure you never get your suits tailored from the same place Craig Sager and Don Cherry go. Very important.